<laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Time and Place, the Gospel Conversation Show, where we discuss faith on the fringes and do our best to bring God's word to God's world. My name is Solomon. This is Julian. Yep. And today we're going to talk about the patriarchy. But first, Julian, what the heck is going on in the world today? The verdict we were all waiting for and inevitably knew was coming, <laughs> except for me, because I thought I thought it would work out, but I was wrong. Uh, Chauvin is guilty. Chauvin? Chauvin? How do you say that? Chauvin. I was Chauvin. Saying Chauvin. That boy is guilty. Male chauvinist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you, you were surprised? I. You know what? Not after the last discussion we had, but as the case was going, I, I all the evidence that was coming out, I thought, well, he's going to get off. Like, there's no way. All the evidence is in his favor. Dude, as soon as I found out that... Uh, the jury wasn't being sequestered. Nope. It, that was it. I knew he's guilty because they're told not to consume media or to follow the case or whatever, but that's impossible. I right. mean, it's possible not to, to hear something or, or whatever. And you know, some, it, this gets too close to you and the threat of reprisals, I think is too close because no one knows who the jurors are, but I mean, their wives probably do, and husbands. Yeah, and presumably their in-laws, maybe, and their in-laws' stupid friend, who is what you know what I mean, and like how it how it creeps out, right. and how it gets, and so then, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever it is. You know, and then you find someone, some woke Antifa person who just smears animal blood on your house. On your house. You know, you know what I mean? Like it, like they did to just someone who testified, a witness right. who testified. That was a witness, not to mention a juror <laughs> who would have <clears throat> set Chauvin free. No way. Like that's the, my the favorite. Way too much. My favorite part of that was apparently that was his old house. He didn't live there anymore. <laughs> so somebody just woke up to that. Like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Yeah, it's probably some woke person. It's probably some like yeah, oh, right. look at this. Some Republican smeared blood on my my house. Yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought the evidence was going to sway in his favor. It was going to be you know acquitted, but no, on all charges, guilty. And he kind of it looked like when it happened, he kind of was like, yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> oh yeah, no. We were actually we were talking about it at Bible study last night. One of the guys was saying, "Well, they're going to wait for the appeal," and I was like, "I don't think they're going to appeal this one. Appeal. They're going to take the L, and they're going to they're going to move on." I mean, why? There's much more drama and more riots and more right, everything. That's the thing, the riot, it's like okay, nobody burned anything down. We got him guilty. Let's just let's all settle down. Yeah, but it's not like they're. It's 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 never enough. That's the thing. It's never enough, and I know the jurors probably thought, "Let's just get this over with and right. move on." Let's just, he's going to be the scapegoat. Just yep. get him out of here. And sorry, bro, you got to take one for the rest of us. <laughs> and, you know, so so things can settle down. You got your way. It's appeasement, right? Yes. It's, it's appeasement thing. But it's never enough because that's the worst thing you do. It's like a bully. The worst thing you do is give him your lunch money. Because right. then he knows, oh, it's a good vein of gold here that I can now keep digging, ATM. keep picking. Right. Yeah. And you know, and it's it's been proven, it's been shown that if you just uh, stand up for yourself and say no, they'll move on, and they'll realize they can't tear you down, and they'll move on and find another target 
and probably literally a target then burned down. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, I mean, here's what's weird about the whole thing, right? This all hinges on slavery, essentially, right? That's, that's the root of everything is that America is racist because it had slavery in its past. And that's the unforgivable sin we can never get past it, right? That's why America is racist. It's baked into our founding documents. It's part of our history. And we, all our institutions are built on racism. That's the argument. Right. Why is that? Why do we just like, oh, I guess it's true. Because we we did have slaves. Right. You know, it's like, are we going to deny slavery? Well, no. Okay, but well, I then mean, there you go. Though? That's the, who didn't? It's not it's not denying it. It's it's just ignoring it. And it's the whole like all the wokeism is is paying for your own sins, which will never be enough. Right. Well, it, this is where it gets weird because it's not even your sins. It's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. 1776. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to keep going. Like that's the definition of hell is paying for your own sins forever because you're an insufficient sacrifice. There's nothing that there's no price that can be paid. What's the price of repara reparations? A million dollars, a million dollars. And you can enslave somebody and beat them. And, and what, is that, is that the price? That's What's actually the price? a really good way to look at that. You can't put a price on it. So it'll never end, but we're trying to. And it's, so it's just this perpetual guiltiness with no grace and forgiveness or anything else because they're also insufficient that we're insufficient sinners and sacrificial lambs and we are insufficient grace givers and for you know uh yeah just we can't do it and so on both sides it's just the insufficiency of man and our total depravity to be able to handle this on our own we're trying to be god and we're not and that's what it comes down to not in our sacrifice and not in our forgiveness Mm. I like the way you worded that too, because what, what is slavery worth? It, it does become that like, well, how much was your ancestors dignity worth? How much do I got to pay you to where you get over it? Right? Like, yeah, if you can be appeased with money, it can't be that egregious. Like, oh um, my, well, my ancestors dignity was worth like one PS five. That's how much it was worth to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know. And so it's like, but that's the point because there, there's not supposed to be an answer. Right. Like, like systemic racism. What does that even mean? What, what are you talking about? Because, like, I'm pretty sure the Baltimore Police Department is all minority run and the government and the school board and everything, and it's still trash. Well, it doesn't matter because I was informed. That's the system. That's the racist system. Right. Is yes, here's why. Black owned top to bottom. Here's why. Because as soon as you find a thing where it's like, well, this idea doesn't work, they go behind that idea and say, well, policing in general is racist because it comes from people who were hired to track down runaway slaves. That's the origin of police work. And, of course, no one does the history to dig into the origin of police work, so they just assume that's true. Yeah. Yeah, but it's intentionally vague. I mean, that's what it is. It's it's intentionally vague. They don't want an answer. They don't want to say this judge, that law, this policy, mm -hmm. that cop, this whatever, it, it, because then we can solve it. And you can't keep perpetuating this this grift if you can solve it, right? It's it's always the it's it's intentionally vague. And this was the thing too, because when you talk about how it never ends, immediately after the verdict came out, like they're already looking for the next one. Right. And they need to keep looking because this <laughs> I can't even it, it is insane. It is 1984. It is a denial of the truth right. of, of what you're seeing in front of your eyes. 
and it's forcing you to say egregious things like let the kids knife fight. I mean, what are we doing? That's what people are literally saying. Oh, kids are fighting with knives all the time. And like, (laughs) well, also who and where, (laughs) right. And it's like, I've never been in a knife fight. So, I mean, but maybe that's my white privilege, but uh, (laughs) I've never been in a knife fight. So (laughs) yeah, I just don't get it. It, it, But, but but you can't say the truth again, because then there's something to solve. Like you, you have to intentionally lie. You have to be intentionally lying and denying what you're actually seeing in front of your eyes to say they should have let that girl stab the other girl. Right. I mean, that is what you're saying. This is crazy. And it's not about black lives because the girl she was about to stab was black. Right. And I mean, <laughs> that's insane. And so it's not, it's, it's, it's almost as if it's not about saving black lives <laughs> and it's, and it's not because defunding the police only harms minority communities, right? LeBron James is going to be fine. He's got private security. Right. You know, I mean, Nancy Pelosi and AOC are going to be fine. They got their private security. This is only going to hurt poor minorities if you defund the police. So then there'll be no one to shoot the person about to stab you. Right. Or yeah. black or white, anybody, anything. You know, I mean, it's just, hey, grab a knife. Which, I mean, I can hear an argument for less cops and more armed citizens. But, well, they, you know. They don't like guns either. That's the other <laughs> Yeah, no guns, no cops. And it's like, well, so only the criminals will have guns and there'll be right. no cops. <laughs> Did you see, okay. too, That's that was funny, the, the shooting that happened uh, maybe two or three weeks ago where a former NFL player went on a shooting rampage and shot like four people. Yeah, I missed that one. What was that one? He decided to shoot his wife and a couple of other people and, and killed four people, but it didn't really get a lot of traction because he was black, so it didn't really fit the narrative. Ah, yeah. So we, we heard about that for about a day and then it was over. Yeah, it's like the supermarket shooter in, in Colorado. Uh, that one was like gaining steam. And it's like, oh, he's Syrian, oh, yeah. not white. Yeah. <laughs> not good enough. Some white man. Oh, he's Syrian. <laughs> he just looked white. Oops, never mind. It's, it's crazy here. how blatant it is. Like just the, the transparency of it. Like, oh, he's not white. Forget it. Never mind. Yeah, he, he hated Trump and was a Muslim. Oh, oh never mind. Nothing to see here. <laughs> That doesn't, that doesn't quite fit the, the narrative here. Right. We're, We're trying, trying to paint a picture. We're trying really to paint. <laughs> convenient facts, please. Only. <laughs> trying to paint a picture. And there's only certain colors we can use. I need more white. <laughs> yeah. Less brown, more white over here. Yeah, for real. It's insane, dude. I mean, they got full got me back on Twitter. Every time something like world-shaking <laughs> thing happens, I, I, just have to, I can't. It's just like temptation to jump on Twitter and see what everybody else is talking about and saying, and I got, I got to get everybody's hot take, you know, and, uh, the memes and the videos and everything. So funny. But my favorite one is, um, <laughs> the, someone put the, the clapping emojis and like, let kids stab each other. <laughs> it's a joke. It's like, that's literally what people are just trying to say. <laughs> uh, it's so insane, dude. I mean, what's what do we what do we do? When when what's the end of this insanity? You know, the guys at Daily Wire are trying to like make conservative movies and stuff. They're like, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna fight back the culture and right. and with like <clears throat> ham fisted conservative <laughs> messages and stuff. And it's like, okay, well that's that's gonna suck. Yeah, <laughs> those right. movies aren't gonna be good. Um, 
what I think is, I don't think it has to be such an intentional, we're going to make conservative, rah-rah American movies and like, you know, not no wokeness, no whatever, uh, just like intentionally trying to do that. I think all you have to do is just make normal stuff. Like just rewind to like the 80s and 90s and just kind of do some of that. Like it, just do normal movies. Like think of an idea and just do it and don't think about the the race or the diversity or the gender or the representation or whatever. Yeah, like just make the movie and then people will find what they want in it and, and but it just don't put any ham-fisted messages from either side. I know that sounds hard because we're all individuals and we all have a view. Your, right. your worldview is going to come out, but just right. be you. Just no, 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 nobody making some woke Hollywood movie is being themselves. They're 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 being this social media profile they want to represent, you know, right, right, pose as, right. But just be yourself because that's going to come with whatever you are, whoever you are, and that's it. And so just put that out there mm-hmm. in 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 the thing. And so don't try and fit the culture or fit the narrative or whatever just do what the idea is in your head write that book write that music make that movie whatever and i think naturally you'll get different views because we all are different you know and that's something that doesn't is denied as well is that there's any difference between any of us and we're all supposed to be this one social group thing and when in fact we all are different people with different stories and perspectives and opinions and whatever and it's like just go do that just do whatever is in your mind in your imagination to do and then that'll be it and someone else will do theirs and you know like some gay black girl is gonna write her story okay great go do that yeah and then some straight white guy is gonna write his story it's like just I put them all out there put all the stories out there put all the music put all the things out there you just be yourself don't be this representational thing or whatever I mean so it's like you don't have to push a narrative, push an ideology or something, just be yourself and push that. And I think that calms the whole cultural insanity that we're getting. Right. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, the, the, it, that's the thing that like Christians did for a long time was make the Christian stuff. Right. Like uh-huh. I, I remember watching a video essay about this kind of thing and, and it was about God's not dead. The whole trilogy. I think it's a trilogy now. <laughs> The, the true trilogy god's not dead but the point was in the essay was like who is this supposed to appeal to like somebody who's not a christian is not going to watch this so the argument's not meant to convert anybody yeah it, it's only for the church audience to have their like martyr moment and feel like ah their rah-rah moment behind this character in an unrealistic situation right yeah i was talking with lauren about that today about like conversion and kind of Christian mindset with things as far as like, as far as that goes, you know, and you get these, we're talking about retreats and like Mm. uh, you go on a retreat and it's this camp high, right? I feel great. You know, it's like kind of a re-up, you know, the Catholics are great at these retreats. They're just like, get their little re-up every quarter or whatever. And like, yeah, I'm I'm good till the next one whatever. And then you come back home and, you know, just like camp and it's like, dang, I still like doing this stuff. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I mean, that's, why, why do I still like this sin? Why do I still, whatever. It was, it was so easy to not do this at, at camp or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's, you're on that mountaintop moment, you know, that 
at camp high and that, that on fire or whatever. But that's just a, a lot of times just an emotional experience that you're riding that wave of right. and then until it goes down. And it's kind of like this bipolar thing where it's like high highs and low lows, you know, mm-hmm. instead of this kind of steady state of a sinner in need of a savior in mm-hmm. redemption and confession and, you know, kind of devastation and reform and just kind of, you know, abiding grace mm-hmm. every day, every day, you know, not just at the retreat and not just when you get your re-up on Sunday or whatever, but like right. every day realizing you're a sinner in need of a savior, God break my heart, you know, help me well, I mean, every day. It's like just a daily thing. So, you know, that's, uh, but yeah, so it's this like intense, We'll go watch God's Not Dead, and that's that <laughs> makes us excited, right? right? When it's like that's not you're just like it's more cultural, I guess. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't know because I remember I, I I watched the I watched the first one I think when the college student is standing up against the professor, right? And and he's and he gives the classic because uh, he's like he is God is a bully and he's a whatever and all these things like all these things like you you know he says it's, it's the thing of like you're so angry with him you know but he doesn't even exist you don't think he exists but you're so angry at him mm. or something like, you don't even believe he exists why are you so angry you know right. it was like this boom moment thing and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> uh, you know and it's like yeah but you know it's kind of like getting super excited about uh, like, you know, in a group chat, we were talking about like biblical archaeology and Mount Sinai and right, right. it's got fire burns on the top of it or something. And it, you know, there's carvings of calves and stuff. And then it's like, oh, this is it. And we get really excited about those things. And that's kind of like the old Catholic relics. You know, we got a piece of yeah, the cross right. for sale here, you know, and it becomes its own little I have a form of idolatry, right? Mm-hmm. And I think God's Not Dead moves those kind of things are same sort of thing because mm-hmm. you're getting you're you're worshiping this cultural Christianity and right. this emotional high kind of thing. I don't know. It's a very it's like an emotional experience that you're chasing instead of the less glamorous, <laughs> you know, day to day. Well, I mean that that like, makes sense too because like how many times is there a a Christian celebrity that everybody like, you know, just grabs onto you like, oh, that's our guy. Chris Pratt's our guy. Like, really, is Chris Pratt our guy? That's the that's yeah. the bastion of Christianity and culture right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's those things. Instead of actually just looking at yourself as a sinner and being like, hey, this is this is what I'm dealing with every day and trying to conquer mm-hmm. sin and reading your Bible and praying and staying in community and accountability and. Discipleship and all, that's, all those things. That's, that's so the trenches. That's the day-to-day yes, work. That's right? so painfully ordinary. <laughs> yeah. That's not like the religious experience. Right. You know, that's what thing. we want. That's the fervor we feel like we need is, is that. It's the the uh, Doug Wilson thing. Everybody wants to fight to save the world, but nobody wants to help mom do the dishes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's like because that, no one's writing articles about that. You right. Know? And, that's not glamorous. Well, that's what it is, man. Like that's <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> because because a truly broken heart will take you to that day to day work, mm, right? right? A true right. Sur- a true surrender of in that understanding. And that's what I think a true conversion experience is. Is that like, oh, I I'm dead without mm. Christ. Like this is right. 
I have nothing to offer, right? And it's like just accepting grace like rain on grass of just, you know, yeah, then I can move and grow and when I get grass and sunlight, but I can do nothing without that. Mm. And there's nothing in power. And that's so antithetical to the, the world's messages, which is, and even in the Christian American evangelical message, a lot of times is you can do it. You have the power and you can, right. you know, change that. Like, you see that comment that guy posted that made for one of our videos or whatever is like reform theology is an oxymoron oh, god, yes, it god doesn't change for us we change for god and i was like i don't think you know what reform theology means yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it teaches so i said a more accurate statement would be, would be to say for reform theology would be to say that god changes us right right which is true which i don't think he would agree, disagree with you know which is weird <laughs> Yeah, I interacted with him a little bit. I, I think he just kind of got a, a misread of what we were talking about in the video. It was a little weird, but yeah, uh, I feel like it cleared up some. But yeah, it, it's true that mundane, like you know, what, what God, what do you have for me today? Uh, go fill up the car and go go mow the lawn and go help your wife and go talk to your kids. Like, oh, that's it. <laughs> that's all you got today. Where, where what army am I overthrowing? What you know? Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, it has an eschatological view, too, because we're all looking to this final battle of Armageddon, the rapture in this big event. Yes. We're all just kind of twiddling our thumbs until <laughs> the trumpet sounds and the whole thing. Well, that's a lot different than build the kingdom on earth now, mm. you know, and it's right. like, oh, what? Like, here's your shovel. Here's your hammer. Like, here, go, yes. go work. And it's like, oh, well, I thought we were just waiting until God <laughs> slaughters all the infidels and <laughs> some kind of literal jihad, you know, right. and it's like, Nope, that's not what we're waiting for. We're working, we're building the kingdom. We're right. making disciples. We're, you know, yeah, he's ruling now, you know, you can go ahead. <laughs> so, I think, you know, I think we forget that too. When we talk about building the kingdom, uh, sometimes we do think about it as like, we're going to ride into battle and we're going to, you know, sack the city and like, okay. And then afterwards, someone's got to rebuild that wall. So go grab a trowel. Yeah. And get to it, lay some bricks because that's got to happen too. But nobody wants to do that part, right? Yeah, well, that's a good segue into our topic of patriarchy mm. and doing that work and what it work. Yeah, so what do, you, what do you think about like when that kind of topic comes up or when discussions drift that way? Well, but like patriarchy, like I think that meet that that gif of that lady, patriarchy, with her like <laughs> pink hair. Patriarch. She's got, actually she kind of looks like me. If I shaved a little bit, I think we'd be the same person. Patriarchy. You before like two or three years ago, I I wouldn't have thought about it because I guess you just didn't have to. It wasn't like a topic. It wasn't mm -hmm. really until the the woke and not even the woke stuff, but really more of the trans stuff came up. That then patriarchy became an issue. Mm. That was that was a different one. And it, it kind of it deals with that reality of like, well, what is what is reality? What is man? What is woman? What is family? Why does any of that matter? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's this fluidity, right? Or just right. like nothing's anything. So, right. you know, and and guess, yeah, that is weird. <laughs> in, in a world where man means nothing, patriarchy doesn't either. But yeah, it's like all things. If we really want to get down to like, well, what, what is patriarchy? We got to go to the Bible. Right. Like that's the foundation of everything. And I controversial statement let's get it out front we're pro-patriarchy so <laughs> we're we're gonna believe that from cover to cover uh patriarchy is a biblical principle and a christian ethic so right so 
but patriarchy when, when I think when people when people hear the word patriarchy, they think of like the handmaid's tale, right? Yes, right. So is that is that patriarchy? No, that's actually the opposite of patriarchy. Mm. Matriarchy? Uh, well, I guess that's the opposite, but I guess that's an abandoned patriarchy is a better way to put that. I, yeah. I've thought I've kicked this around in my mind because part of patriarchy is the idea of toxic masculinity, right? Like, right. All, all the tendencies that we have of of maybe that that aggression or that uh, determination or whatever it may be, assertiveness. That's all toxic. Those are bad traits. You shouldn't have them. Uh, I was thinking about this today, though. It's not that the traits are bad. That's like saying fire is bad. Like, well, sometimes if it's uncontrolled, yeah. But mm. like not just across the board, we don't say, well, fire is bad. We should never have fire for anything. Yeah. Right. Like fire can be useful when it's controlled and directed and where we want it. And I think that's the same thing with patriarchy and male traits is that when we take these things, these aggressions and these wills to conquer and all this stuff and put it together and, and use it correctly. Yeah. Then it's a good thing. Right. But we have we have no in our, it's like postmodern thinking. There's nothing is anything. And there's no categories. And I, I finally got, I kind of like figured out, I, I heard someone explain it. And I realized why the we've gone off the rails with like everything pretty much. There's mm -hmm. someone on Rogan getting mad. For, I forget the name of the guy. It was like a clip. And he was talking about uh, transgenderism and postmodernism and, and just the whole, all the, basically postmodernism. He was getting mad at right. Jordan Peterson when he talked about postmodernism. And he's talking about how it, it destroys truth and there's also it's all subjectivity and it's everyone's right and whatever and that's insane and whatever and he's saying no no, no that, that that's not that's not it that's not it that's not it he's saying like uh for, for hundreds of years if you were a woman you were just a mother and a wife and that was all you could be if you were black you were just a slave and that was all you could be if you were a man you had to do a job and then you just had to, you know, whatever. There's like categories for everybody. And right. postmodernism came along and said, you don't have to do that. And that doesn't have to be the only way. And so it like opened up all these like stereotypical categories we had for everybody and roles for each, not just gender, but like children, adults, old people, right. black people, everything, right? Race, gender, socioeconomic status, everything. So he's saying that opened everything up. So then we're all equals and we're all can do anything we want. We're all have the same abilities and all have the same whatever. And, you know, and what he was pinpointing at, especially with, specifically with gender was because basically because there's someone like Andy Dick and the rock, there are no things such as man. Cause it's like, yeah. how, how, how do you define man? Right. It's like, well, you're, testosterone and you have a penis and you you know are attracted to girl oh well some men are attracted to other men oh so there goes that there goes that mm. trait mm. you know characteristic so you like peel off characteristics until you have Nothing. no defining thing right not even like xy chromosomes i guess right, right. because yeah. there are variations within that too if there's one variation then there's no category right and so and which is incorrect. And it's funny because when Rogan started talking about like, if you try to buy a female dog and someone sends you, sells you a male dog, you're going to be mad. Right. Because there's a difference. Right. We basically, and, and he got squirmy with that in that conversation. Right. He kind of, of was, you know, well, you know, that, you know, even that is, you know, it's like, 
okay, because of Chihuahuas and Dobermans, <laughs> there are still dogs. Right. Just because there are variations within kinds doesn't eliminate kinds. Right. And that that's the category. And basically, you can't basically can't do science that way mm. because you have to have classification of some kind or anything. I mean, there's medicine that males and females should not take. Right. That uh, uh, going the right prostate can all these different things of like. Okay, that's gender gets pretty important pretty quick, you know, as far as <laughs> as far as science and medicine and, and facts, and it's it, and they're taking this stuff to like math too, right? Yeah, uh, like yeah, like right. two plus two plus equals five was trending and stuff, right? And it's like okay, you realize we can't have an engineer like that make a bridge for us. No, right? here's the thing, and that's they the thing. Don't that's this is the the problem with that line of thinking. <laughs> they don't realize that because they're they would not drive across a bridge with some woke engineers put together. Here's here's why they don't understand that because they never put a bridge together. Yeah, but they 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 would want all people to subscribe to this I this thought, this this way of thinking including engineers and construction workers and architects and all these people who are making things that we kind of need to be working right and, and need answers to. Right, but we live they live in consensus reality. They don't live in actual reality, right? Where if we say it, it's so. Yeah. It's 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 that they'll, they'll do it as long as they can. Because as yeah. soon as they say your kid is hurt or your kid's not hurt, then the truth becomes a real thing. Right. Or someone spent four thousand dollars of your money. Oh no, they didn't. Well, hang on, which is it? When it comes <laughs> down to it, there's a right answer on right. things, right? And so, and they care. And so they'll deny and they'll lie while they say all these stupid crap. And as long as they can, until it hits something they care about. But and you, then I mean, truth, trust matter. Here's the problem though. You know, again, where it comes back to patriarchy, we're talking about this as two patriarchs, right? We're both married fathers. <laughs> People who are having these other discussions aren't. Like yeah. what, what's, what skin do they have in the game that it's ever going to get to that point? Yeah. There's no, there's no kid. So it's not like, like, well, when your kid is hurt, what kid? There's no kid. When your company is what company? There's no company. This is all. There's nothing. Uh, there are sons and brothers or uh, employees or a friend. So they have something that they care about of like, right, right. you know, I mean, where the rubber will meet the road, you know, right. in some way for their life. Everyone does. And so they'll, 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 they'll say this thing in class and then walk out the door and look both ways when they cross the street or something, you know, like when truth starts mattering, you know, I mean, that's, I think, I think in a way it, it, it kind of comes back to this idea of, of building society. Right. So like mm -hmm. one of the things Wilson said in the episode where we, in the episode where we interviewed our good personal friend, Doug Wilson, if you go back and listen Close to that. Personal the friend of the podcast. <laughs> our uh, our uh, honorary third member of the podcast panel, Doug Wilson. <laughs> he said that societies are built by men who have families to feed, right? Yeah. Well, the problem is this new society that they're trying to build is being built by people who don't have families to feed. Yeah, but they're teaching your kids. Yes. And that's, that's important. <laughs> yeah, because people, a lot of people say that, like, oh, well, we're just out, out, procreate them, right? right. Like they're they're aborting their children and we're not having children at all. Uh, so they'll be gone in a generation. It's like, no, they'll be 60 and teaching your kids at college. Right. And that's a problem. They don't have to have kids. They just need to teach yours. And mm -hmm. so we don't not only have to procreate and then send them off to Rome to be Romans. We need to 
raise our own children. Right, right, right. And and keep these uh, and teach them these principles and raise them as disciples, not just birth them and think, well, the government will take care of them and keep they'll stay Christian in college, they'll stay Christian in first grade, they'll stay Christian in whatever. You know, it's just not how it works. Well, I think so it's a long haul thing. To some extent, even further back than that, like we assume, like oh, they'll stay a Christian, but we never make sure they're Christian in the first place. Right. Because we just sent them off to youth group for free yes, pizza and Xbox, right. <laughs> and they felt bad one day at church camp and got saved. Hmm. So there you go. So I mean, right. that's my that's my job. I send them to church camp. I put them on the on the bus. I vacation Bible school. I'm done. That's it. You know, when they get home, they can do whatever they want. But you know, the the, time, the place they spend most of their time will not have God or the Bible being read or prayer right. or anything. And then on Sunday, they'll get the re-up just like I do, you know, right, and they'll right, be good right. just like I do. That's a whole other discussion. they'll grow up to be sideline Christians like I am. You know? <laughs> Which, I mean, that gets into a whole other discussion about did we ever make sure we were saved really? Before right. We because, and I think, I think the blinders are the social capital that church provides, mm. right? Or, or it used to. Now it doesn't. Used to, yeah. Right. So like church used to be this culture. Oh, he's a good guy. He's good. Yeah. He's a good family man. He's a church guy. Oh yeah. He's, you know, whatever. Well now that's becoming a liability. Right. You know? And so we, so that was the Christianity we had and it's the Christianity we expect our kids to have, but the societies and culture has changed where that's not, it's actually, your kid's going to be, uh, probably hate it if he goes to church and takes it seriously, right. you know, <laughs> at all. So he won't. And so that's why we're seeing this like secularization of uh of of the of the nation but in actuality we're just seeing more true numbers of mm -hmm. convictional christians right. who you know were actually believing instead of just going for their social club so when we talk about all this stuff you know having kids raising kids all of these things it 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 implies responsibility right like part of patriarchy is responsibility right where where does that come from like where do we get that idea patriarchy equals responsibility well, one of my favorite verses, and I probably want to get it tattooed on me, my first tattoo, if I get one, um, is Genesis 2, 15. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And that basically is the masculine mandate, the biblical masculine mandate for men is work and keep. It can kind of all be boiled down to that, work and keep. Build something, cultivate something, and keep it and protect it and preserve it. Right, that, right. And, and, and all that, all, everything falls under that. Family, your job, your land, your friendships, everything falls under that. Work and keep it. Build something and protect it is basically what it is. Now, whether it's your career or your church or your family or a band or something that you're in, you know, build something, create something and mm -hmm. preserve it and keep it, you know, and, and protect it basically. And that that's, I would say where it kind of starts as far as the masculine mandate and the responsibility for that, uh, for everything to, to work it and keep it. We were placed in the garden to work it and keep it. And this is before the fall. Right. right? Yes, yes. So this is not just like, Oh, well, it's something we have to do now because of the fall, whatever. No, no, this was, this was there from the beginning. There's kind of an interesting dynamic in that too, because it so God puts Adam in the garden and tells him to work and keep it, and then he brings everything to him as part of that to name it, right? Name everything that this is all under your domain. Your responsibility is to work and keep this. Name it and claim it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
But there's a there's another one under that because I think it's interesting when we read through like the genealogies of Jesus. When you get to Adam, it always says Adam, the son of God, right? So yeah. in that first section of the Bible, we have a father son dynamic, and the son is under the father, right? Already, so okay. it's like baked into the design from the start. Like honor your father, listen to your father. Your father is giving you this. Take care of it. And then Adam, of course, is going to be a father, and he has that same responsibility for his family and for them to listen to him. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that's kind of a, you know, it's a new Testament idea. Be, be love your wife. Like Christ loves the church, right? Be the gospel of your wife. That's not really a thing that we do anymore. Yeah. Kind of across the board. And I've known a lot of people before who, uh, have kind of weird marriages where it's kind of a, uh, what's the word like a delusional happiness like we can all tell this isn't a good marriage but like you're trucking through and saying like oh he's so wonderful and oh this and that and you know the other or um the opposite where it's just like an open hostility and everybody's aware of it and it makes everybody uncomfortable but nobody does anything about it and i, I think personally from experience the problem with marriage often starts with the husband right mm-hmm. like if you're not willing to to love your wife then why would she be willing to submit to you Mm-hmm. in a way yeah i mean am i off base here or am i hitting on something yeah i mean that's um i think that's that's the tendency too i mean even from like from the fall it's like eve was deceived but where was adam mm-hmm. you know and it was kind of like okay he was kind of falling short of his responsibility in that and let his wife talk to a snake I mean, that's not. <laughs> Wife's over here talking to a snake, bro. Step up, step in. Like, <laughs> you know, it's probably not going to end well. So, uh, and that's why he's blamed for the fall of man, you know, right. in Romans. So, like, yeah, it, it does start with man. And that's, and that's the reason that the fall even happened in the first place, because he was not keeping his body. That's an interesting dynamic, too, because Eve is the one who takes the fruit and eats it, but Adam's the one who sin entered the world through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he gets the blame through one man, right? I mean, and so, but I think it is that masculine mandate, work and keep it. And that was it. And he wasn't doing that. And that's why right. it all happened. Didn't keep it, didn't protect her, didn't, you know, protect his wife. And so you got deceived. It, I was reading City of God and <laughs> Custon is like, she she was deceived and and so all women you know it, it's like going after her pretty much <laughs> just like <laughs> we need to keep them at home and uh, <laughs> it's like it was kind of that attitude of like that's why women are you know trouble and like don't let them be talking yeah <laughs> that's the moral of the story yeah. <laughs> it was kind of going that direction it's like because Adam's fault, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, I mean, let's hone in on that a little bit. Cause what there's, there's a lot of itchiness with uh, that idea of, of patriarchy in that sense of husbands and wives, especially now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, there's, there's passages where Paul talks about how Sarah was willing to call Abraham Lord and yeah. as that as a good thing. And, yeah. you know, sometimes we kind of want to be like, Oh, well that was a different time. We don't really, you know? Yeah. But there, there is this, there is the biblical image that you're 
in charge of your wife, right? Mm-hmm. Where does it go from uh, you're in charge of your wife to becoming you're a bully and you're dominating your wife or you're you're controlling your wife or something like that? It, I mean, that comes from an insecure man and from a um, – there was uh, – let me see. I, got, I bookmarked a lot of different things in a lot of these like biblical manhood books and stuff. Just talking about um, – let me see. It's called Building Toughness. Doug Wilson was talking about. Hmm. Um, dang it. I can't find it. But his uh, instilling, yeah, nevertheless, instilling toughness in boys is for future men. It's kind of masculine, hmm. biblical, masculine, anything. Uh, instilling toughness in boys is extraordinarily important. A masculine toughness is the only foundation upon which a masculine tenderness may be safely placed. Hmm. Without a concrete foundation, thoughtfulness, consideration, and sensitivity in men are simply gross. So mothers must take particular care against allowing some of their feminine strengths to be the occasion of stumbling for their sons. Three things are necessary as mothers consider this. But yeah, so basically it's like, I mean, it's kind of become a a thing where like the burly biker guy or the football player is the one who, you know, protects the kid and, you know, is the gentle giant kind of right, idea, right, right. right? Because they're, they are so secure in their masculinity that they don't have to lord it over obviously weaker right. <laughs> people kind of thing. Right. Strength-wise, mentally, emotionally, whatever, you know, whatever, we say, we say weaker, whatever. Um, so they don't have to throw that out there. It's the weak man who has to overcompensate and like, well, I've gotten the man, I have to blah, 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 whatever. And just become the douchebag. And you know, right. just that that's that like toxic masculinity thing. And uh yeah, so that's that's where the we cross the line of like when you know and, and most of this comes from knowing what the what your biblical masculine mandate is from the scripture to work and keep. That's not working and keeping. That's just dominating and overpowering and bullying and i mean i mean it, it's clear though because you know, it's not it's not coming from a place of love you're not doing anything to, to build her up or to help right, her right, or, right. To, or to lead her and mm-hmm. it's obvious you know and it makes me wonder sometimes when you do see uh men who are maybe a little flippant to their wife almost like she's burdensome it's almost like well, why did you get married what, oh, what dude, you yeah. know <laughs> what were you thinking yeah that's what I think. Like, if you have you ever seen Married with Children? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's like this classic show, and a lot of guys like it. And I'm like, this guy is a complete. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even funny. It's that like, I, I hate my wife humor, and it's like, what is going on? Like, like my, we're in high school. I hate uh, my wife. My kids are idiots. Just kill yourself, bro. Like, <laughs> I guess. I mean, do yourself a favor and and, and the rest of us, like, just kind of knock that stuff out. Like, yeah, it's very, yeah, it, it, but, but that is obviously just a miserable person. You know what I mean? That that person's just miserable. And so he's lashing out and, and, and doing that. And that's the thing, too, with this whole, like, equality and feminism and stuff is like, oh, men can be pigs and douchebags, but women can't. So, so then women do, and they just sleep around and become these, you know, girl on the make and cosmopolitan, right, man, right. you know, and it's like, no, 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 
you're both being pigs. You're both, <laughs> <laughs> he shouldn't be doing that either. You know? And I forget what the like, conversation, like it was some uh, like rapper chick or something. She was talking with somebody who was like kind of coming down on her or something about like being slutty. And she, and she was like, he was like, Oh, what would, you know, isn't that if you sleep with a bunch of men, isn't that being a slut? And she said, well, what do you call a man who sleeps with a bunch of women? And he said, a slut maker. <laughs> and, <laughs> and which is not right. The answer is also slut. Right. And he's being a slut. And so it's like, you both should stop. So, and it's like, that's not, oh, he does it. So I do it. And that's equal. So yeah, you're equally bad people. <laughs> but it's still equality. So it's, it's okay. still equality. You're still both terrible people. So I guess, yeah, that's sure, you know. But it's like fair's fair, I guess. And then both of you are miserable. You know, that makes men and women miserable, you know. So because they're just resisting uh yeah, natural inclinations that that we have. So well, I mean part of that comes from because I've heard it before and, and it's true to an extent, right? Like there is this idea whenever women talk about it, like, oh, if a woman sleeps with a bunch of men, everybody's down on her. But if a man sleeps with a bunch of women, then he's commended. Like it's like, oh, he's you – know, I know he shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, right. But who – that comes from your surroundings and most men who are idiots surround themselves with other men who are idiots, right? Like that's, yeah. that's how it works and you build each other up in that lunacy. Yeah. Uh, so it's – there's a breakdown like at every level. Like, you, you know, one, we don't have fathers at home. So – there's nobody yeah. there to guide you to start off with. And then everybody else you're surrounding your with, yourself with also don't have fathers at home. So they're also equally lost. So we're just like a, a clump of lost boys trying to build ourselves up into what we perceive manhood is supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no anchor. There's no standard and foundation. And so everybody's just doing whatever they want. And so you're going to get this whole mess where everyone's miserable. And it's complete chaos. And it's just not what was intended for humanity. Mm. So, yeah. So the Wilson quote was interesting because when you talk about how tender male tenderness can only be built on male toughness, I've kind of had this with my son a little bit. Trying to, when he when he does things, trying to correct him in the right way. Like when he hits somebody, it's like okay, it's not. I'm not mad at you that you hit because that's okay. But who did you hit and why did you hit? That's the problem. I'm not right. going to tell you don't ever hit, right. but don't hit because you're angry or don't hit your mom or don't hit this person. Like you know. Yeah. There's a time to hit somebody. This is not it. Right. They have to learn those things. That's what uh, also from this book is talking about um, dragons and men. And um, let me see if I can find it. Um, he's talking about how uh, gosh, they need to. They, they need to play with toy guns. Yes. And right. because they need to know the rules of war mm. um, and understand that you don't shoot your mom, you don't shoot unarmed, you know, people. And, you know, if they never learn that, then they'll never they'll play with a gun or they'll play with a sword in whatever way that looks and abuse people with it. So that's what we, you know, that's. The thing with him, I'm always like, you can you can fight with me. Don't yeah. hit your grandpa. Don't hit your mom. That's right. that's different. There's people you can fight with. I I'm one of them. The other people are not. Yeah, but and so then, then they'll understand. Yeah. I mean, but there's a tendency now to just think that aggression is bad, like yeah. across the board. Yeah. No. Yeah, and that's true. Um, it needs it needs to be redirected. 
that um, that dis that discipline needs to be redirected. That energy needs to be redirected, not extinguished. Pretty much. And you, I mean, you used to be. I I've started to think of sports as like combat practice right like it has all the same kind of you work as a team to mm-hmm. accomplish a goal you're fighting somebody else who's trying to do the same goal you're you're the point of everything is for you to defeat them through strategy teamwork physical prowess whatever it may be but that's not mm-hmm. even really like an ethic anymore right like <laughs> now it's everybody wins yeah i mean yeah it's they don't um i'm sorry i'm trying to find this because it's really good it's really important. Um, I don't know where it was. Um, yeah, it's just redirected. It's, it's yeah, instead of um, being redirected and redeemed and and you know made positive, it's just don't do that. Just don't don't even do it. You got to be quiet. You got to. And then it, it's like disciplining boys has become act like your sister. You know, mm, right? And that's not the right way. That's not the the, the right thing that the energy needs to be directed towards constructive that working kind of thing instant in, into a discipline whereas like they are being disciplined and then they become disciplined people when they mm. grow up you know dif- disciplined man you know and so um con- self-controlled man you yeah. know and that's kind of one of the one of the <laughs> lesser talked about abraham stories i think and i don't know why because it's interesting is when uh that king rides through sodom and, and kidnaps the people and lot is one of them so Abraham gets together like a coalition of people to go fight them mm-hmm. and rescue. Oh them. yeah, yeah, that little like war, little battle. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Like, <laughs> Where Abraham on, becomes a warlord for a second. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. We don't think that doesn't get talked about a lot. We do talk about other things about Abraham, like his faith, and which is good. That's all true. But also, yeah. there was a point where he got together a band of of other kings to go fight and get his family back. Yeah. Do you think men should get married? I can't think of a good reason not to, uh, except, I mean, maybe the Apostle Paul reason is, you know, just to be able to serve Christ with more focus. That That's the only reason I can think of not to. I think you have to have that gift, though. Right, yeah. Celibacy. And yeah. I think just, that's I can't rare. imagine it. I, <laughs> I can't imagine it. Like, <laughs> yeah, Doug Wilson asks, because he'll get people say, like, oh, I think I have the gift of celibacy. Oh, guys, you know, and just, you know, not wanting to get married. And mm-hmm. he says, okay, do you look at porn? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, it's like, you don't have to give the celibacy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's that rare. That's mm-hmm. how rare it is, you know? And it's like, yeah, I guess that's possible for a dude to not be uh, so heavily tempted in that way, but that's not common. Like, there's no yeah. way I know. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, right, exactly. Nobody I know. Right. But I mean, I guess it is possible. So, okay, yeah. So that would be that rare gift of celibacy. So, yeah, go for it. Like, just don't get married and, you know, serve people in yeah, another country or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I just can't. Even even when they talk about pastors, right? Like, the idea that an elder has to be, you know, the husband of one wife. Like, there, the, the idea is that he's married. There's, there's just an understanding. Like, yeah, he's married. That's how that yeah. works. Yeah. I mean, it's going from, it, it's the only thing that God created that said was not good. In creation, mm. right? He created man right. alone, and it was not good. Right. Everything is good. He created it and said it was good, right? But man in the garden, it was not good. It's like, mm. huh? So that's a that's a need for community, and more specifically for men to get married. 
I think right. men ought to get married. And that's something in our culture that's really pushed off is like, oh, yeah, game, game over. Oh, man, yes. like whatever, you know. And that's just a, it's really a shame that that's not looked forward to, you know, as, as it should be. Well, because when you get married, then you have to do real things. Mm. Like you don't get to the, the leisure time, the video games, the drinking, the partying. Like you can't do that when you've got a wife at home and kids at home and you have to, they're expecting yeah. you to bring home money and they're expecting you to, you know, be there. Yeah. Even like the little, you know, there's random moments where you know, my son is just like, I, I want you to sit with me for a minute. And like, okay. It's like, but that's the thing. Like there's people who would be like, like yeah. I, I've got stuff I want to do. Why do I need to sit with you for a minute? Like, cause he wants you to, cause he's your son. Yeah. It's like one of the most things that like, is so annoying to hear is men who say like, Oh, my, my me time. I don't have any me time. <laughs> it's like, bro, you are not getting it. Like <laughs> that, that's interesting. What do you, what do you think about hobbies? Um, Cause you're a reader. Like that's your thing. You read. Yeah, man. Um, but I mean, I read stuff like this. So then I, right. That's I, true. That's, <laughs> I, I want to understand more like the gospel and how to, be a father and, and be a husband and stuff. So I think a lot of my reading, my hobby, it's, it's my favorite thing to do is just sit and read. Like I just love the physical act of sitting and reading uh, a real book. And, but I, it's like, okay, so I love that. And that could easily just become Stephen King, John Grisham, mm -hmm. you know, just these thriller books and just, you know, just candy or whatever, just cause I can, I read it. Right. So it's like, okay, don't let it become that. So, redeem that that passion and that hobby whatever for the masculine mandate for the bible for doug wilson books for just every anything that can inform and and, and do something for me right you know like john right. christian books don't do anything for me they're great they're fun it's great there's nothing wrong with it but it doesn't do what's it doing for you and how's it informing your walk with christ and mm -hmm. and su supporting that and su supplying that um you know, and so it's like the same thing for video games or something or, or watching television. There's nothing wrong with it, but what is it doing for you, mm. right? And so that's something that you like to do. Any hobby, right, can, can be right. that way as well. Right. But like what is that doing for you or for others? And how, how is it helping you serve God and serve others? Mm. So, and they always, and anything can. Anything can glorify mm. God, and you can do anything to the glory of God. So whatever your hobby is, you know, the problem with men, and that is a really good point of this one because I had – this bookmark uh, says, sadly, most men quit. We tend to channel our drive and energy away from overcoming our weaknesses and toward whatever makes us feel better. Mm. This is from the dude's guide to manhood, Darren Patrick. <laughs> really good Christian manhood book thing. It says, men hit the eject button and hide in juvenile behaviors such as video games, pornography, sports leagues, or substance mm. abuse. Other men don't hide in their activities. They hide in themselves. They remain silent, consistently passive, and socially awkward. Still others hide with their friends, delaying marriage, or if married, avoiding connection with their wives. Mm. So, like, you can be this married dude who's just, like, the shell of a man looking forward to his weekend, you know, man cave, watching football all day, right. whatever. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with football. There's nothing wrong with video games and a lot of these things. But... There's something wrong with substance abuse and pornography, but <laughs> those are obvious things. But, but your hobbies and your free time and your me time and all these things, 
can just become escapes. Yes. And then all, that's all you're doing is just trying right. to get away from your wife and your kids. Mm. And that's not good. That, that needs to be actively fought against, mm. you know, not, not, not foot, not sport. I'm watching sports. So I'm wrong with that, but, but the heart behind it, I guess. Right. Is what needs man to be caves directed. are one of those things that annoy me to to know it's that idea of like oh this is my sanctum where it's basically like this is what my life would be if i didn't have to deal with the rest of these jackasses that take up all my time right and it's again it's like why did you get married what are you doing <laughs> and, and i think a lot of men don't know why they got married mm. and i think a lot of men didn't decide to get married mm. i think there's this there's guy talking on his podcast one time was talking about the difference between with men between sliding and deciding and how most men just tend to slide into stuff. Mm. They're moving with their girlfriend, you know, and then, you know, it's just, well, I'm not making any active decisions for this. Right, right. And, and, and I hate it when I hear men say, oh, I'm talking to this girl. Oh, this girl I'm talking <laughs> to. Oh, yeah, I was talking to her for a little while. And it's like, you mean just keeping her on standby mm. until something better comes along? Or right, you're just, right. it's this, this zero lack, this, this lack of commitment. Mm. of just like and, and making a decision and it's this whole the whole concept of with men and women and dating is is this a date you know and right. I, it's like what, what are we doing what are what what are we is this mm. and, and like waiting so long to have that talk and put a label on it whatever and so you're just kind of sliding along and then all of a sudden it's 10 years later and you're living with this woman who you married because you have a kid <laughs> and it's like did i decide any of this i didn't right I, this just happened and I didn't, I, there's no decision to stand by because I didn't make a decision. Mm. This, this thing happened to me, right? Instead of just actively pursuing it and making that choice. And so there was no moment of like, we talked about this and this is what we chose to go forward with and, and stay in and do all these things. And so why wouldn't a guy want that? Of course, he's gonna have a man cave. Mm. Of course, he's gonna have this escape. Of course, he's gonna try and just get away because he never dis decided to go through with any of this. Well, that's you know. interesting because that that doesn't just pertain to marriage. That pertains to like everything, right? Like, there's a lot of guys who have jobs they despise every day because they didn't want to yeah. take a risk on another job. They just like, well, this I'm here now. Yeah. You kind of slide up the ladder until you have a managerial position, and then you hate your job, but you don't want to leave. You're too far in. Yeah, and you're just working for the weekend, and then yes. it's like, okay, oh, well, that's yeah. it. Like, and then <laughs> you know, yeah. I know, man. And that's, you know, you quit. And, and, and I understand that because it's like men don't know how to respond correctly. And so they respond badly mm. and then they just stop responding because it's just like, well, forget it then. I don't know how, what to say. I don't know what to do. Right. Right. You know, for their yes. wife or their kid or just whatever. Yes. And it's just like, screw it. I'm just going to go watch my James Bond marathon. Mm. It's just like, oh man, like that. <laughs> just give up. And that's not the right answer, but they're because they're not reading the Bible. They don't know the masculine mandate. They don't know what they're supposed to do. And so they just try and come up with stuff and it blows up in their face and then they quit mm. and they just kind of coast the rest yeah, of their that's life. That's interesting too, because in, in the Bible, once the fall happens, right? Like the curse on Adam is that all the work that he's going to do is going to be difficult and some of it's not going to work, right? Like thorns and thistles, it's going to produce for you. Yeah. And by the sweat of your brow, you'll eat. He didn't like throw up his hands and stop working at that point. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, oh, this is this is too hard. It's not gonna work. I can't do it. Like he had to keep going. Yeah, man. And yeah, divorce is a big one with that. It's like especially no fault divorce because it used to be much harder for men to just kind of give up and quit on their families 
because yeah. it meant they're probably going to die or, you know, like if a man right, leaves right. in like hunter gatherer kind of times and stuff or like log cabin frontier times, like if the guy takes off, like his family just dies. And right. so it's like, okay, I know I don't want that. So I'm going to stay and protect them and keep them and provide for them, whatever. But then we've made this like no fault divorce <laughs> and the government will step in and take yes. and handle that job. So cool. I'm going to take off because I'm unhappy. I didn't decide any of this. This all happened to me and I got to live my best life now and you only get one life. And so I'm going to just live it and see ya. the government can take, they'll be fine. Then they, in, by a lot of accounts, they will, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of funny when you mention it like that. Cause it's kind of the same way that we always say like, you know, no, no system. Every system is a theocracy because everybody has a God at some level, right? It just, mm-hmm. it's a different thing in the same way. Everything is a patriarchy. It's just what father do you want? Yeah. Like, I don't want this one. Get The government will be my father. They'll pay for me. They'll take care of me. They'll help raise the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, you know, there's no incentive for a, uh, for a man to stay with his family because uh, at least they'll stay alive if he takes off. So then it's like, okay, well, then I'm out because this is unbearable. And <laughs> she's pretty, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is unbearable is my, you know, one of the – I don't know. I just bothered to, to see that, to see like the broken dead in the eyes, man. He's just like, you know, wh- what is my life? I've lost control of everything. I don't know. Why am I here? Yeah. And, but there's no will to like do anything about it. It's just a. Uh... Yeah. Well, I know. And it's like, you know, fathers will tell their, their, their sons and daughters, I'll do anything for you except mm-hmm. for stay in a marriage. I don't want to be in. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, kind of getting the feeling you won't do anything for me. <laughs> You definitely hit a limit. <laughs> it's pretty low, actually. It's like a bullet for you, but I won't stay in this marriage. It's like, well, with a bullet, okay. you get to get out of there. You might die from the bullet. You don't to stay around that. That's easy, yeah. Uh-huh. I've talked about that before with people where, like, you know, husbands have the same attitude. Like, oh, I'll take a, I'll die for my wife. It's like, will you actually? Because you won't get off the couch for your wife. <laughs> so <laughs> how do we know you're going to die for your wife? Man, we sound like great husbands, don't we? I know. <laughs> We're just we'll like get, the best we'll husbands the, and wives. We'll get the wives on later. <laughs> <and they'll... laughs> My wife's commenting. <laughs> All good though. Nothing, nothing negative walking. so far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I think of, it's you know, wives. <laughs> no, go ahead. What are you saying? I think it's important too to have that kind of like I was talking about earlier. The people you surround yourself with are gonna either you know promote you to good or bad because you know obviously we're not perfect husbands. We do have fuck up moments. But we have people who are going to be like, oh, hey, uh, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing that? Why yeah. are you acting that way? Or, mm-hmm. you know, you're not allowed to do that, right? It doesn't work right. that way. Right. But, but that is that active daily trenches thing we're talking about at the beginning yes. of all this of like, hey, surround yourself with accountability and people who will smack you in the head. Right. And be like, hey, dummy, like, and point you to scripture. <laughs> right. And so, and it's right. like, hey, and that's the thing too, like that, but it, but it can't, it's, it's got to be almost, almost daily. Like, it, it is because, you got to fill up your life with that kind of accountability. It can't just be on Sunday. It can't just be like these one little things because, you know, being on staff at church, we have like staff meeting and then we have like Bible, you know, so it's like church on Sunday. We have like a a small group thing with that. And then staff on Tuesday where we always start like, Hey, what are you bringing into the room? What's on your heart? Mm. And then Thursday is the build men group that we have at church where it's, you get a small table with like four or five other guys and talk about and share and, and open up and stuff. 
and, and then Friday morning is discipleship group at, at Black Rifle Cop. So it's like I've got these like I I've got all these little a lot of checkpoints throughout the time where it's like if something's going on or if I'm trying to hide something or whatever, it's like I have to I'm gonna either have to lie five times <laughs> this week <laughs> to a lot of these men who I know just care about me and what best for me. Mm-hmm. Uh or open up and repent and confess and talk and, and share and get encouragement and prayer just right. constantly. It's just that it's, it's constant. It had, you have to fill up your days with as many of those little touch points of accountability and discipleship with other people as possible. You know, it cannot think, just be like, I'm hearing a sermon on Sunday. Great. You know? Right. And it's important that it's other men too. Cause sometimes they gotta be a little rough with you. Right. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you gotta get grabbed by the collar and like shook a little bit. Cause yeah. sometimes it's that serious. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that that get that receiving that with honesty and stuff, and just knowing that that I know that this person knows me and loves me. Yes, right, and right. and just having that that openness with that, and so they they don't want to hurt me. I, I truly believe that, mm. and so they're talking to me this way right now, and I know it's for the my best, right? Right, and so. But that, but that's a real thing because some people do just want to be like, "Hey, you're sinning." Hey, right. you're, yes. you're right. just kind of like, "Yeah, but I don't know you." Like, who, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I can't hear that from you, but <laughs> some people I can't hear that from and shouldn't need to hear that from. Right. I sure. had a, a situation like that at church this recently, where one of the other guys in our group uh, was kind of talking to me about something that he thought was a problem for me, and we, you know, we talked about it a little bit, and I knew from knowing him that it was so uncomfortable for him to be in this situation. Like he is a non-confrontational guy to the max. So for him to do this, I was like, he really cares at this moment to act, to go out of his way this far, to be this uncomfortable, to talk to me about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. And again, speaking of wives, I think part of that, like connection with your wife comes from doing life together. And that doesn't mean like you have to work at the same job or something or just 24 seven, but you should be, you should care about what your wife is going through and you should know what your wife is going through mm. to the point of like knowing what she's facing throughout the day. And again, this, this, I think this book masculine mandate is like required reading for all Christian men. It's so great. It's, it's, it's not one of those like beat you up for being a man kind of thing. And it's not like you're great. Don't change it. You know, anything either. It's really <laughs> biblical and it's really honest. And stuff. Who's the it's author really, on that one? Richard Phillips. He was a green beret and then became a pastor. God's calling to men. Like that's, I say, and that's where the idea of the, the big main thesis of this is that work and keep idea. Genesis two fifteen, But he says in here, he says, if I stop you at any time, will you be able to give me a rough sketch of your wife's schedule for that day? Can you identify at least one major issue that is on her mind and weighing down, weighing down her heart, making her afraid or frustrated or concerned? These are the things that Peter has in mind. Most husbands have not the slightest clue what is going on with their wives' schedules, much less what challenges are weighing on their hearts. Husbands must know what is going on in the heart and mind of his wife if he is to minister to her faithfully in prayer and with God's word. Mm. And that's like the exact opposite of what you were talking about, of just like domination and just do what I say yes. and whatever. And right, it's like, right. no, you're you're speaking the gospel in, in God's word into what she's facing. But you have to know what she's facing. Yes. Right. That means talking to her. That means being with her. That means listening and stuff. So, mm. you know. I mean, that's also assuming that you're speaking the gospel 
It's your wife. I mean, how many of us, how easy is it just to be like, well, the pastor, right? That's his job. Uh-huh. Why do I got it? Yeah. You heard the sermon. We're both there. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's church stuff. So women speaking in church. What's up? Mm. Mm. What's that all about? We're going to go there, huh? Yeah. That <laughs> was in the group chat today, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think the the... The obvious one is easy, right? Like you know, women can't be pastors. That's pretty biblically easy to argue. I don't think there's any real argument against it. Yeah. It's the other stuff that gets a little squirrely. Like, okay, well, what can they do? Uh, Wilson kind of talked about this a little bit in one of his his blog and May blogs rec- recently. Yeah. He was saying that some people take the attitude of a woman can do anything an unordained man can do. And so, uh, you know, they'll have that idea of like, well, would you let an unordained man speak at church? And it's like, yeah, well, then you should let a woman speak at church if it's it's to some extent. And he says it's the opposite way. Instead of saying like we should be letting women do whatever unordained men do, we should be thinking maybe we let unordained men do too much. And kind of, you know, switch it around and and look at what look at how how cavalier we are with responsibility instead of seeing it as some kind of like good in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I'll refer to the man. The <laughs> it's man. Wilson himself. <laughs> Wilson himself. He says the, the church and femininity. Uh, but before proceeding further, an important qualification necessary. Masculine worship does not exclude women in the same way that feminine worship excludes men. Hmm. Women flourish when men take spiritual responsibility. Men wither or stay away when women lead in the church. Hmm. So the church is not a men's club. Men, women, children, and babies gather before the Lord together. Mm-hmm. Masculine worship is not worship for men. It is worship in which men fulfill their responsibilities to others. So that, I mean, that kind of puts it out there. And 1 Corinthians 14, that passage of like, women should keep silent in the church, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be some in submission, as the law also says, if there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. So this is in the context of orderly worship and interpretation of prophecy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, so for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And he's talking about um, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Now, that's men that should right. keep silent in church. He's talking right. about men speaking in tongues. If there's no one to interpret. Shut up, right? <laughs> and so, and that so that's a pretty wide call for silence. Right. A pretty equal call of silence in that way. And in that same, you know, for you can all prophesy one by one so that men, so that all may learn and, and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. So this is the context of which he's talking. Uh-huh. So I think it really does lean towards that, thus saith the Lord, authority mm. of interpreting right, right. scripture and, and teaching scripture in that context, which is the context of Corinthians 14, is women keep silent. And if you're spouting off stuff, there's no one to interpret, you keep silent too. <laughs> so I think it's kind of, it, we got to keep it in that context of thus saith the Lord, kind of speaking with authority mm. of scripture, interpreting scripture, teaching and, and, and deciphering 
God's well, word. There's kind, of, there's kind of an attitude of, of flippantness about worship in that way, right? Like everybody wants to grab the position of honor. Like, oh, I want to be a pastor. I want to be an elder. I want to be the whatever at the church. But they don't think about like the responsibility that comes with that. Like the, right. the burden of speaking for God in front of other people. Right. Yeah, man. And it, it should be taken seriously. Uh, yeah, especially by men first. Um, what do you think about women's ministries? I, I used to have no opinion on them, but, you know, like we were talking about today, a lot of the kind of uh, her heretical Christian feminism movements, Beth Moore. People, Beth Moore, who all were like, you know, the, the heads of women's ministry, like you just put out their video and all the women get together and watch it and whatever. That was where all of that came from. Mm hmm. And I, I wonder how many times did we just like at churches have like, oh, we're going to have a Beth Moore Bible study. And no one like vetted it before. Mm. Just like, oh, we bought this at the bookstore. It's Christian, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Get the women in a room together and put this on for them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think men should lead the church. And men, and, men and women. Men should lead men and women and children. You know, so it's like, that's the, what's wrong with that? Why can't, why does there have to be this like segregation of, of, of how it works? I mean, I understand women go through different things, but those should be discussed with their husbands and mm -hmm. all pastors should be married with women, with two wives and, and women who presumably go through these same things that they are leading them and talking to them. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, spiritual teaching and biblical teaching in the home is something that men have just given up. Right. right. So is that, is that kind of thing too? It's like, well, I'm not going to teach my wife. That's the pastor's wife job. That's the mm -hmm. deaconess's job or whatever. That's the women's ministry teacher right. to do that. So then that becomes their only source of leadership of spiritual or biblical leadership, you know, and that's not right. That should not be the case. Right. But well, I mean, sadly, that is the case. It's like you said earlier with youth group too. Like we've compartmentalized all these responsibilities to somebody else. Like somebody else do youth, uh -huh. somebody else do women, somebody else do children, and we'll worry about the big church. Yeah, big or church. Whatever. Big church. You're, <laughs> in big, you're in big church now. Yeah. So family That's integrated worship is that the that the way? I mean, I, probably the best way. We actually at, at our church, we our youth pastor got rid of the youth ministry because he was yeah. like. I don't think there's any biblical grounds for this. So he was like, we just, we'll toss it out. Well, I mean, when the concept of teenager was invented, like in the fifties, <laughs> you know, what are we doing here? You're either a kid or you're an adult. That's how it used to be for the majority of human history was there's no, this weird adolescent teenage middle ground that you're, then you're, then you're trying to prolong forever. You're either a kid or you're a man. Right. You know, and you grow up today, you know, and that's well, it. How many, of that, how many of that, how much of that, I should say, comes with maybe a feminine way of raising children? Because, you know, mm -hmm. back in the day, if you went from child to man, there was responsibilities that came along with that, right? Like, well, you have to be a man right now because we need your help doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like somebody's got to, somebody's got to help hunt. Somebody's got to help build. Somebody's got to guard. Somebody's got to learn to fight. Yeah. Now there's kind of a tendency to like baby the child until they hit a certain age, maybe, or or past it, you know? Yeah. So it, it, kind of, that's it, kind of checking out in, in fatherhood, checking out, like the, right. my wife and the kids. Well, we don't have farms and stuff to that, that like right. we just literally need another set of hands. 
right. and you're 13. So you can <laughs> carry this from this side to that side. We don't have that anymore. So we thought like, well, they're children. Let's just keep, you know, look, let them be, have fun and, and be children. But there's other ways you can put kids to work in that if you don't have a field or a farm, we're not in, you know, a, a, uh, what's it called? Like an agrarian society or whatever, where we have that, that need for just like physical labor. But we do have a need for is thinkers and readers and knowledgeable kids. So I think we can man up our kids our sons in that way of like, Hey, what are you reading? What are you thinking? What are you writing? What are you producing? What are you doing? Uh, because we need that. We need someone to pray for people. We need someone to whatever. So do it. You know, there's a way to like put kids to work in that way because it is needed just as much as you need it on the farm. We need Christian men. And so we don't need Christian teenagers, mm. right? We need Christian men and leaders and thinkers and writers and, you know, people doing stuff. So put your kids into that challenge your kids with that rather than the plow, you know, it's right. like the plow of the mind of wisdom and biblical discernment. We need more of those. So put that, put them to work that way. So this kind of gets into what you were talking about <laughs> when you were talking about married with children, uh, the pop culture dad, right? He's an idiot. He's a buffoon. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. If he didn't have that woman, he'd lose his head. He doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? I don't, I don't know where that came from, where that started. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it started in the garden. I mean, that's like that. That's the whole thing of like women want man's job and men just don't want to work. Don't want any job. Yeah. Don't want any job, you know? And it's exactly, we always want to rebel against our responsibilities and get against our, our biblical mandates. And that's like the essence of the fall. Right. So like men don't want the men are, men are tasked with working. They don't want to work. Women are tasked with following. They don't want to follow. Mm. And so that's the rebel, direct contrast of our mandates, our, our gender roles we want to be in contention with, just because we're told to. Mm. You know, on a spiritual creation image of God level, we're told to. And we that's the fall, just naturally resist against that. So men do that. And then we're more and more through culture and society allowed to do that. And we do. And like that thing, we quit. We fall into our hobbies. We just want to escape. We just want to not work and just whatever ends the women. So then women join the workforce and we let them and we let them pick up the check and we let them whatever. And then that's, that's the incompetence of men because they don't have the masculine mandate. They don't know what they're supposed to do. So they just want to do what feels good. And that's what they try and get to all day as much as they can, you know, whether it's porn or the, golf course or the video games or the basketball court or whatever or books. There's, <laughs> you know. I was thinking about this because there's, you know, we talk about the biblical patriarchs, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're the, the kind of, you know, the fathers of Israel, the, the founders of the nation. There's examples in their lives where they abandon that masculine mandate and it does mess up. Right. So like Abraham is the big one with Hagar. Mm -hmm. where Sarah is like, Hey, this is how we're going to have an heir. This yeah. is, this is the answer. You take my slave and that's how we're going to get our son. And it, right. uh, the thing that kills about it is it says, and Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. He was like, okay, yep. <laughs> you, you've got it. You're right. Instead of, instead of leading in that situation, he followed mm -hmm. and it just went terrible. Right. And, and, the, that, the, and, the, and that's such a horrible thing to say today. 
He listened to his wife and uh, followed her instead of let her, and it all went to crap. Like, that's a bet. You can't say that today, you know? And that's the thing. Like, paying for dinner every time sucks. Being the one to, you know, you know what I mean? And, like, oh, doing all this extra traditionally men, you know, I would say God-given responsibilities of men kind of sucks. So when a woman is, like, yelling at you that you're a bad person if she doesn't, if you don't let her do it, Okay, what incentive if I'm a pagan who does not have the Holy Spirit? What incentive do I have to resist that? You want to pay? Cool. And so you right. do, and that's how you become Homer Simpson. And that's how <laughs> and that's how you become this incompetent man and an idiot and a buffoon and the joke and just like whatever, because women are demanding to have your role and you just lazily give it over to them. That's what it is. The other one that I always think is is uh, interesting, especially because we were talking about it yesterday. It came up in Hebrews where it talks about Esau and his kind of abandonment of his birthright, right? Like he, by the, the cultural order of things, he should have been the father of nations, right? He should have been the one to get it. But he was so flippant with his birthright that he exchanged it for a bowl of soup. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this on podcast before, and I think about it a lot, that that's – you know, oftentimes we think that's so stupid. Why would you do that? That's the stupidest thing. You gave your birthright away for a bowl of soup. But we do that every day with yeah. anything. And I think the big one is with with porn and sex. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest one where we, we put off marriage and family and children and like an actual heritage for a quick fix through porn or through some yeah. girl that we can get a hold of really fast. Right. It would just become that rat in the cage who's just – Jonesing for that next little treat right. from the scientist or whatever. <laughs> yeah. and it's just, it, I don't know. It's so we look at him with such contempt, like what an idiot, but we do that constantly all the time. Because I always think about that verse where it says that children are an inheritance from the Lord or heritage from the Lord or blessed is the man who, whose quiver is full. When it talks about them being like arrows, like this idea that when you have kids, especially when you have many, it's a yeah. good thing. And we think of it as like, ah, oh, it's another burden, another mm -hmm. mouth to feed, another another hour of my life gone. Right. It's like, that's what you're supposed to do. Multiply. I mean, I mean, that's like have dominion. That's the image of God that we're created in. People say like, oh, could, we can reason or we're creative or we're, you know, we, we, we have free will. They'll even go to or like, that's how we're created in, in the image of God. No, if you look at the context of that, it is in our dominion mm -hmm. of the earth. That's how we're creating the image of God in our authority, in our, dominion of the earth and so that's how we're creating the image of god and we give that up and we just like well i don't want to and whatever it's like it, again it's that it's that fallen sinfulness of just directly in contrast of, of our mandates and our responsibilities and our god-given directives for for both genders so if someone wants to turn that around say someone wants to go forward and say okay what what what's what do I do? What's my first step in this restorative patriarchy in this actual masculine mandate? Like, what's step one today? I mean, depending on the the circumstance and, and, and the person who's asking, um, it, it would be work and keep. As far as like, what are you building? What are you working on? What are you cultivating? You know, it's like, oh, I don't have kids. Okay, do you have friends? Someone you can disciple spiritual descendants, so to speak, that you right. can pour into and teach and lead. And I see, I see guys doing it at my church and it's awesome. Like they're, 
some young person, not married, don't have kids, but he's like discipling people, taking guys out to coffee and doing stuff. I was like, yeah, that's great. Like that's what you're supposed to be doing is what we should be doing with our children. So we should be doing with our Christian brothers and sisters until we have children. Then we have children. And then not, not that we give up the discipleship of others when we have kids, keep doing that. Right. Keep cultivating those, those, those spiritual disciples and everything, but also your children, you know, and literally creating disciples in that. So that would be it. What are you working on or what do you have? Cause some people might have a career or might have a family already. What are you doing to keep it? What are you doing to safeguard it? Do you know your wife's schedule? Right. That's, that's one. And so it's like, okay, what's, what's weighing down your wife's heart? Like these are the questions you can start asking and putting these things into context for a man who's wanting to be a faithful, be faithful to his masculine mandate, to his biblical masculine mandate. You start asking those sort of questions. What are you building? What are you working on? What you, who are you discipling? Who are you cultivating up in that way? What are you creating? How are you protecting it? What safe? Okay, you have something. How are you protecting it? How are you safeguarding? How are you redeeming it? Right? You have a career. Are you redeeming that career or are you chasing the dollar? Like these are the questions we can start asking on a practical day to day level of putting our masculine mandate into practice in in, in that way, right? So I, I do like this comment too because there is a sense in. Um, I think, it, yeah, you know, sure. coming to the place where you want to do that, first you have to admit that you haven't been doing that. And I think right. there's there's always a defensiveness for our masculinity's sake. Like, we don't want to admit that we've been less than manly, right? Yeah. So we'll, we'll erect these other things that are like the measure of manliness. Like, well, well, I'm strong. Or, oh, well, I win fights. Or, oh, well, I sleep with a lot of women. Like, that's your measure. Right. Instead of looking at the biblical standards and seeing how short we all fall of that thing. Well, hopefully we're talking to a Christian who's already surrendered that they haven't, they are incapable of being godly, mm. right? Oh, I don't want to admit that I'm being manly. Okay, well, you're a Christian, had to admit that you're not God, mm. right? That you're a sinner in need of a savior. You don't dictate your own destiny. Presumably, you've got to change your heart in that way and made your dead, dead spirit alive. Uh, and then so you've made that surrender and that contrite heart for that, you know, to, to, to admit and confess to God. Okay, now do that with your masculinity. Put that under the um, redemption of God as well and have God redeem your manhood and your masculinity in that way as well, saying, I've not been a good man. I've not mm -hmm. been a biblical man. You know, I've, like I've not been a righteous, holy person because you can't if you're not regenerate. Same way with your manhood. It, 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 it's just, it's, it, it, you should be doing this with everything. Your job, your... I mean, your hobbies, you redeem it all, right? In that, in your man, so redeem your manhood, redeem your masculinity by following the masculine mandate from scripture, work and keep, right? So that's, that's, yeah, confession is a big deal. Presumably, if you're a Christian, you've already confessed to God a lot of these things, and then more specifically pinpointed on your masculinity and confess your shortcomings there as well. And, start doing that that work i think there is a sense though in in where we have a tendency to not examine that deeply i guess like maybe we'll we'll be willing to say like we have like general uh sin issues maybe like it's something we're comfortable admitting like if, if we can say all men have struggled with lust it's easy to admit that <laughs> yeah. problem right? Right. But it's harder to look at other things like oh i'm lazy or oh i'm selfish or you know oh i you know just things like that that's yeah. where you have to actually examine and like, well, what is actually is wrong with me? Yeah, that's when you get specific. Right. It's yeah. easy to say, oh, I'm a sinner and, you know, y'all pray for me. 
I'm not going to say that to, <laughs> to anybody, but it's like yesterday at 3 p.m., I <laughs> now we're getting real. Now we're getting like, whoa, okay, hang on. No, that's I aim to that kind of confession. I mean, being yeah. married is a big one for that, too. Just, you know, when, when, <laughs> The third time your wife tells you something, it's like, maybe I do have a problem with this. <laughs> maybe it's not just because yeah. that was my big thing early, too, was just me saying, like, well, this is just how I am. Like, this is my personality. I don't know what you want. And then it's like, well, no, this isn't your personality. You're being selfish. Yeah, no, it is your personality. And oh, yeah. Natural. Like, that's you change <laughs> <Right>. that. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing about that? Yeah, being married definitely, like, makes it really hard to live, like, a double life. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, and, and men try, you know, by just staying at work all night and, and just not just, you know, you become these passing ships with you and your wife that just yes. don't have no connectivity, no connection right. and whatever. And so uh, I, I read Jordan Peterson's new book um, and he was talking about uh, have a regular date night with your wife. And this is what like kind of blows my mind about Jordan Peterson. So growing up as a Christian. And kind of hearing a lot of these things my whole mm -hmm. life and this and this being a big part of my study and daily, you know, kind of uh, goals and directions of these things. He'll say stuff and I'm like, who's not thinking that? Who is <laughs> <laughs> he said these benign statements, like have a regular date night with your wife. It's like, wait a second. People don't know that. Like, that's not they don't know that that'll improve your marriage and help you with connecting with your wife. like what that. And it's like, this is earth shack. He's a prolific thinker. And he's all, and it's like, man, what the heck is going on out there? You know, that this but is news. This is news. Get your wife. Said, what? Everything he says like that, where he's like, clean up your room before you try to fix society. Like that's base level stuff. But it's like, ah, what is he talking about? And, and you have men around the world like, what? <laughs> well, hang on. What? Like, well, yeah, dummy. Look, this is a really? I think. The problem is that when we talk about improving marriages, people think that improving marriages means a marriage that works for me. Right. That's what their idea of improving marriage is. Like, oh, one that's yeah. easy and breezy for me. That was something that was really interesting on Man Rampant with uh, C.R. Wiley. Uh, mm -hmm. I think um, called, he was talking about his book. And um, what was it called? Like the, the War of the... Home uh, in the Cosmos. Home, or something. The, home in the War for the Cosmos. Home in the War for the Cosmos. Yeah. I haven't read it, but I just I watched his interview with, with Doug Wilson. And it was really cool because he was talking about like that idea of marriage and uh, Ephesians five. You know, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Um, and then you know, wives respect your husband. You know, husbands love your wives, and wives submit and respect your husband. So like this love and respect idea. And again, it's like okay, exactly what you just said what do you want your the story of your marriage to be about you and your wife and how you guys are doing what you can and it's great or do you want your story the story of your marriage to be the gospel and reflect the church as a bride to Christ mm. because that's what it is it's a representation right. of that and so if that what do you want your your marriage to be a, a picture of you or a picture of Christ in the church so if it's a picture of Christ in the church, that's Ephesians 5. That's what mm -hmm. we're talking about. Love and respect. Submit. Give yourself up. You know, like Christ mm -hmm. gave himself up to the church. That's what this looks like. That's what our story of your marriage should be. 
Now, if you want it to be about yourself and your wife, and okay, you can go off and deal with all that <laughs> insanity and chaos, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> and have these loveless, miserable marriages or whatever. But, um, but if you want it to be a rep, I think all Christians, mar Christian marriages should be the reflection of Christ in the church, right? Yeah. And so that means husband, love your wife, wife, respect your husband. As you know, as give yourself up for her, that whole whole thing that Christ did for the church. And that's, I think we have a, maybe we don't understand the scope sometimes of like what it meant for Christ to give himself for the church. Cause it often is like, oh, he died for you. Like, yes, he did. But there's like more to it than just he died for you. Like that, that picture that Paul paints where it says that though he was equal with God, he didn't consider equality a thing to be grasped, but mm. emptied himself, right. you know, and, uh, right. and humbled himself as in the form of a servant, even to, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Like it wasn't just that he died for you. It was the fact that he emptied himself of that, loftiness that godness that glory and not godness but in the sense of you know when he says glorify me with the glory we once shared before like to to condescend to our level to become one of us in the truest sense is like i don't think we can understand the radicalness of that yeah and that's the same kind of like radical self-sacrifice that we're supposed to have for our wife you know yeah yeah um we have different roles the church and christ have different roles and different yeah, there's differences there, as with men and women, as with husbands and wives. So there's no egalitarianism. It is a complementarianism, right? So yeah, that's a that's a big one. That whole big old thing of egalitarianism. <laughs> well, so I I kind of want to end on a, a question in a way. There's obviously a, a different standard between biblical masculinity and and cultural masculinity, and even that's shifting now. To what does it mean to be manly? So what do we think of like traditionally manly traits or unmanly traits? Like, you know, the, the manly trait of being strong and tough and, and all of that, as opposed to being bookish and wormy and all of that. Like, how do we, I always think that it, it doesn't help to be a fighter that's not a poet or a poet that's not a fighter. Like you got to have both. Right. You know, what do we think of those kind of things? Well, like David, you know, wrote these beautiful Psalms and he was right. a warrior, you know? Yes. And so there is that thing. I don't think there's much of a difference in that. Mm. I, I would say, I, so you have like Lemek, right? And it's like, mm -hmm. I kill the man, yes, so, right. you know, it's like, okay, <laughs> right. that's, that's the, that's the pagan godless view mm. of, of masculinity. And I think it fits, but so just at like on that same level, so does the bookish psalm mm. writer, right? right? I don't think there's much difference with that in a godly perspective of, of manhood. Mm -hmm. In that, because I love to read, right? Like that's a right. big thing. Like I, I just that's my it's my favorite thing. I just it's a kind of compulsive thing to, to read. <laughs> but when I look at like oh join a book club or like my, I remember my work one time had like a book club and you know whatever all women. It's <laughs> all so like novels and literature and books about this like feminized thing. Right, right. I don't, I don't understand that at all because it's never been that. I've never like. It's weird. I don't understand that. Like it's it. That's what you do. Like the Bible is a book. You're supposed to right. read. Yes. I'm not a girl for reading the Bible like that. <laughs> crazy. And, and but I think it has been feminized. The church and literature and Bible like all these things. Bookish, nerdy, uh, to be smart, to be wise, to be right. thoughtful, to be poetic, to be whatever has been feminized, and mm. it just shouldn't have. And that's the distortion of these things. It's like 
sex has been perverted and right. literature and mindfulness kind of attitude mm. has been perverted into this weird feminized thing. And yeah, and so it's like, I don't see much difference between the brutish, you know, warrior type or whatever and the him, the psalm writer, you know, and like the guitar player and the singer and the reader and stuff. So um, I think that's something that's that's been lost, that, that those characteristics of manhood have been twisted that way. So hmm. that's an interesting because that that is really interesting the way that literature and reading as a practice has been feminized. That's so that's so strange. I blame Jane Austen. <laughs> well, those books aren't good either. So, man, you know, uh, uh, Jane Eyre is good. Um, but you know, I'm the, Bron word the Bron word. Bronte sisters know what's up. Jane Austen, I blame Jane Austen for this idea of like, I can change him. He'll, oh, you know, God. Mr. Darcy and the whole thing, Pride and Prejudice. Like, it's just this this stupid view. And, and, and culture and, and media does that. Like, uh, uh, fiction and, and, and that world kind of creates this picture. And people think that's reality. Yes. People, right. people watch Modern Family and say, see, it works. Look how happy they are. Mm. And it's like, that's not reality, but you think it is. And now you're doing living lifestyles that, that way and trying to say, this is all normal and fine and wonderful. And I'm happy. Right. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and all these natural God given characteristics are going unfulfilled. And, you know, we've got children being raised without mothers and, 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 and fathers or whatever intentionally. Right. And, and that being yes. the modern family. It's like, okay, yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> You're lying to the people. <laughs> and people, and to believe, and people believing that and trying to live that lie. <laughs> so maybe to end it off, um, how, how do we go about restoring a masculinity to those things, like study, like reading, like writing? Just do them. I mean, just unashamedly do them, do them in the gospel context, redeem those things in a biblical masculine mandate way of, of wisdom and stuff, you know, um, in that masculine mandate, he's talking about raising kids. He said, there's like this four, four things, um, work, play, read, pray. Mm. So it's, just, this is kind of, you know, you kind of write a sticky notice so that work, play, read, play, <laughs> read, pray. So like, uh, work with your kids, do the yard work, give them chores, whatever, mm play, have fun, play games, do stuff, play baseball or things, uh, read, read to them, teach them to read, teach them to write, teach them these things so they can start absorbing this knowledge themselves and pray with them, pray for them, teach them how to pray, you know, these things. And that's something that has to be done from day one. That's something like we were reading to Nolan when, like, like days after he came out of the hospital, I bought a bunch of books for half price and, yeah. and started reading to him. And we've been praying over him and praying with them every single night. And sometimes it's complete chaos. I'm sitting here reading from the Bible, <laughs> a chapter, and they're jumping and screaming and crying. And I'm just reading, you know, <laughs> no one can hear me because <laughs> it's insanity. I got a four-year-old and two-year-old and they're crazy and whatever. But reading the Bibles in the home. It, mm -hmm. And they will know nothing different. Right. It, it won't be this thing when they're 10 that I'm trying to introduce later instead of TV time. Hey, guys, let's read and pray. Mm. It was just always there. 
And that's the point is like, do it at this young age so that it's just a fixture in your home and just a part of the walls in the furniture is reading and praying and, and as a family. So they won't know any different. They'll think this is what family is. We read the Bible and pray together because that's all I've ever known every day of my life. Even before I could even understand anything, it was chaos and no one could hear dad reading the Bible. It doesn't matter. He was there reading it. And so that's, I just want that in place. So when they do settle down, when they do listen, when they can hear me, it's always been there. It's already been there. Mm. So yeah, that's a thing from, from day one that, that has to start because it's so hard to introduce that kind of stuff later. You know, it's awkward. It's weird. You don't want to do it. You haven't done it for the last seven years. The kid's seven. He's trying to introduce. I'm going to restart reading. <laughs> I mean, you can, and I think you should right. break through that awkwardness or whatever, but you just got to do it, man. You just got to make that like as much as like I turn on the light when I walk in the room. That's how natural it has to be in your home. You know, I like that intentionality too, because that's one of the things that maybe is lost in church. And maybe we, I don't know if there's a way to get back to it as, as Protestants, we have an itchiness towards liturgy uh, and like practice and, and sacred things just because it's, Oh, it's very Catholic, but you know, <laughs> we have kind of lost that intentionality in worship and by extension, everything else in life. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Communion, a lot of those things. So mm -hmm. like, it's like, oh, that's too ritualistic or something. Mm, this things are kind of important to have in place. Yeah, right. There should be a reverence when you approach these things. Right. A sense of intentionality with that. Yeah, for sure. Well, so yeah, going forward, uh, be masculine. <laughs> but real, I mean, I think it's important to note that real, like we said, real masculinity requires submission to Christ above all. Uh, that's, that's, if you can't, if you can't, if you're not submitted to Christ, you can have vestiges of masculinity, but you can't have the true masculinity that only comes from that creation mandate. Yeah, there's a way. I mean, we have, you know, some some instructions here, right. and either you're just gonna like it or not. It doesn't make it doesn't have any bearing on the truth of it. Mm. You just don't like it, and say, okay, well, that's that's a different thing. You know, it's there, so you can't say I don't know what to do because it's there. Mm. You're either just gonna ignore it or dislike it or for whatever reason, or you're gonna submit to it and follow it. Man. <laughs> just drop that right there. <laughs> you either like it or you don't. Know. <laughs> we don't say it. Like, the Holy Spirit's going to move through your heart and you're going to surrender to this instruction that's there for you. Work and keep. You got it right there. It's it's there. You can't say, I wasn't told. Right. I didn't know. Right. You did know. You were told and you rejected it mm. or didn't or submitted to it. Like, that's just what it comes down to. So, my prayer is that you submit to it and follow it. <laughs> <laughs> take it <laughs> take it take I mean, it like a man <laughs> that's i mean paul has the verse right act like men it's in Be there. a man <laughs> but that's important so i mean yeah get in the word because that's the that's the that's the template i don't you know we there's there's a lot of other books we read about masculinity and and things but if you want the foundational go straight to the source like where else right. are you gonna go who was right. the ultimate man but christ in yes. the truest sense so For sure I hope to shed some light on, uh, obviously, we're two bastions of masculinity. Just look oh, at us. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> no, nobody manlier. No better husband. <laughs> Specimens of. <laughs> Next week, we'll have our wives on and discuss. <laughs> oh, <All> of... <laughs> dismantle. <all. laughs> I think there's still laundry on the floor that I haven't picked up that I was supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that later. Uh, yeah. So next week, 
hopefully uh we're, we're our plan is to go over the five solos for the next five weeks so um that's gonna be fun so we're gonna dig into those uh so if you want to go back we have a debate previously i think it was our third episode we did it really early uh on solo scriptura uh so yeah if you want to go back and listen to that to kind of get a brief on where we kind of fall and then next week we'll dig into it big uh one other thing i want to bring up is I got a criticism this week about last week's episode. Uh, so there was a, a Seventh-day Adventist who I had talked to uh, the day of the show or the day before. Uh, he was tagged in the post and he was saying like he was wondering if it was going to be good or bad or how it was going to go. He didn't know if it was going to be a fair way to do it. So I offered, you know, if do you want to come on? You can either do it this week, next week, however you want to do it. Um, he said he would pray about it and get back to me with, you know, the church response or whatever. And uh, he eventually ended up saying no. So I asked again if he, because he did kind of not have a great uh, take on it. So, I, you know, do you want to come back and do it the next week? We'll have you on. You can explain what you think was wrong about it. And he, you know, declined. And so I asked why. I said, he, he said that he thought the, the conversation was unprofitable. And I said, okay, what was the problem? Did you think we didn't take it seriously? Did you think um, it wasn't done well? What, what exactly did you think was the problem? His response was that he didn't think that we actually took it in a serious manner. There was too much joking, too much mocking. Uh, it wasn't a way to actually go into the meat of the text and bear out a biblical. I guess he wanted a five-hour. Oh, so sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh. He's sad and, and very serious. So, uh, you know, I, my my response is just this. I gave you two shots to come on, and I even offered again, if you want to have a, a moderated time debate, we're willing to do that, and we'll pick a single subject. So, um, I don't know, my, my attitude towards it is kind of, well, if you didn't like the way it was done, come on and correct us. And if you don't have the uh, intestinal fortitude to do that, then your opinion really doesn't matter. You know, if you just want to be criticizing from the outside and not actually interact with us, so what? It doesn't really matter. Uh, the offer's there, man. If you want to do it, it's there. So, you know, just get a hold of us and we'll have you on. We'll do the whole thing. Uh, if you want to debate Mark of the Beast, we'll debate Mark of the Beast and we'll go to the text. But until then, I don't know what to tell you. So, I mean, yeah, the biggest thing we hate, like one of the biggest things we hate, I mean, I personally hate is straw men of like, just, I mean, we, we receive it so much with reform theology and everything mm -hmm. else. Like, I was like, oh, well, yeah, because this and that. It's like, that's not what we believe. You right. clearly never had a deep long conversation with a calvinist or someone who's right, reformed right. or whatever like you're just reading bumper stickers and, and creating a, a thought and so we don't want to do that definitely i mean i think however many episodes passed whatever has proven that we want to hear people out and like understand what are you saying what's your argument what are you piecing that what are you getting that what verses are you talking about let's look at that in context let's flesh it out let's dig in i mean this is like it's literally called the time and place. Right. This is not a, <laughs> this is not a passive, like, you know, soundbite kind of thing. We're going to right. hour 46 minutes. I think it's a fair time to get a point across. You know, this isn't a bunch of, you know, talking heads trying to get their little sound bites in. Right, right. I mean, we're we're hearing each other. We're here we hear, I think we hear every guest we have on, you know, and have real conversations about it. And there's time to bring something up or rebut or reword or rephrase, whatever. So, and that's what we want to do. It's pointless to attack straw man. It doesn't help right. us. So that, you know, in, in, in our view, in what in our perspective of things. So, yeah, we definitely want to hear people out um, and understand who disagree with, disagrees with us and why. And 
that's the only really way to have good communication, I think. Right. So. I mean, if, if you think we didn't give a fair representation, the offer is open. <laughs> Come on and correct it. We're more than willing to have it on. If uh, for whatever reason you don't want to, then I don't know what to tell you. I, There's only so much we can do about that. I yeah. Mean, I mean, if you're not willing to do the other half, then I don't know what you want. So, yeah. If you can't, per you can't personally, yeah, if you can't talk and then we can't say, we didn't hear you. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> my, you know, my, my attitude is I think certain uh, religious organizations, especially North American cults have a tendency to do that because they know that they can't actually defend their beliefs against the text and examination. So uh, I think that's the situation here. I think he wants to say, well, let's get into the text. But then when I say, okay, let's get into the text. It's like, well, not right now. So I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, what is it like unfalsifiable position where it's like, well, you haven't heard the truth. It's like, well, tell us. All right, yeah. I can't because you, you won't hear it. Right. Okay, well, then what are we doing? Like, we what, can't... Yeah, what's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> Criticism Anyways. kind of falls flat. <laughs> <laughs> that goes for any episode in the past also. If there's any other person of any other faith, group, or uh, belief system, if you think we didn't represent it well, get a hold of us, dude. We'll have you on, and we'll do it again. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, for, so that's it for this week. Uh, next week, Sola Scriptura should be fun uh, for now, right now. Also, one last thing. I looked at the analytics this week, and I'm starting to see little things pop up from different places in Europe, and I really want to know who and why and how. So if anyone is there, um, if anyone has seen this right now, please hit us up at our email so that we can uh, get a, we can know what's going on. What do you guys want to hear? Because we often talk about pretty American-centric things, especially with uh, what's happening right now. Uh, so you know, hit us up. Let us know what's going on where you are and how you're, you're – kind of culture and uh, Christianity is differing where you are. So we'd love to hear from you. Anyways, until next time, this is the time, this is the place. We'll see you guys. See you. Thanks.